been applying these principles and all of a sudden all the basic teachings that I've learned over the decades as a Christian just have new meaning when I connect them to that context, the kingdom of God. So this morning, the title of my message that I want to bring to you is Jesus' Message to the World. What is Jesus' message to the world? Fair question. In Matthew chapter 4, it says, And Jesus went throughout all of Galilee, teaching in their synagogues and preaching the good news of the kingdom and healing every disease and every weakness and infirmity among the people. So Jesus went throughout all of Galilee preaching the good news of what? Glory to God. You know, I've been thinking about bribes, just putting a little dollar bill on your seats and stuff. Whatever works, I'm just, you know, looking for that response, so I'm going to ask it again. Jesus went about all Galilee preaching the good news of the? Ooh, glory to God. Hallelujah. And then, of course, it goes on in Luke. And in Luke chapter 4, he said to them, I must preach the good news of the kingdom of God to other cities and towns also for, listen to this, I was sent for this purpose. Out of the mouth of Jesus himself, I was sent for this purpose to preach the kingdom of God. And uh, later on in Luke 9, it says, But Jesus said to him, Let the dead bury their own dead, but as for you, go and proclaim the kingdom of God. And I say that to you this morning. A lot of the living of this world is nothing more than shuffling dead things from one dead pile to another dead pile. But Jesus said, let the dead bury the dead, but as for you, go preach the kingdom of God. So my question this morning is, <clears throat> what was Jesus' message to the world? Jesus is God. He comes into the world, and he's got a message for the world. The world's got all kinds of questions, but Jesus brings an answer. What was that answer? <clears throat> if you were to plug that question into Google, and I did it, um, I asked Mr. Google, what was Jesus' message to the world? You would be surprised what Google produced. Google found all kinds of preachers with answers, all kinds of Christians, all kinds of thinkers and teachers, and they, they brought up all sorts of answers as to what was Jesus' message to the world. Now think with me for a moment of the year 2020. Think of this summer of 2020 and everything that we have seen going on in the world. What is Jesus' answer to the world? What is his message to the world considering everything that is happening in the world. Well, let me ask you this morning, uh, what would you say? What do you say Jesus' message to the world is? Feel free to volunteer, anybody? Louder? His government. His government. Excellent. Anybody else? What is Jesus' message to the world? Love. Love. Anybody else? What is Jesus, what is his message to the world? Yes, sir. Kindness. I love it. Anybody else? 
What was Jesus' message to the world? Love one another. Love one another. Truth. Truth. Salvation. Salvation. Well, I haven't heard a wrong answer, but there is a core message, and that is the subject of my message this morning. What was the core message? What was the singular context, the all-encompassing message that Jesus Christ had for the world? Now, there are some very popular answers, and we heard some of them this morning. For example, you must be born again. There are whole denominations that, are, that have been telling the world for centuries, Jesus' message to the world is, you must be born again. When the world cries out, what is God's answer for our circumstance, for our dilemma? There are many Christians and churches that say, his answer is, you must be born again. There are others that when the world says, well, what is Jesus' message to us? They say his message is, love one another. Love one another and, and that will answer everything. Why, if we would just love one another, as Jesus said, We'd, we'd see the fix of God put in place. Um, other people say that Jesus' message to the world is put God first. Put God first in your life. If you'll put God first, all these other things in life will take care of themselves. Um, and, and I love the little answer, kindness. Many people say that you could quantify Jesus' message to the world by simply saying, treat others as you would have them treat yourself. And they would, they would cite instances like when the Pharisees said, well, what is the great commandment? And Jesus said, love God with all your heart, mind, and life, and soul, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. So to treat others as you would have yourself treated, that many people would say that really quantifies Jesus' message to the world. If we would just do that, uh, things would be better. Others say his message is forgiveness. Because the the, the great problem with mankind is, uh, is sin. And so mankind needs forgiveness so that things can be turned around. And so they'll say that his message was forgiveness. Um, and one other one, and I think it's easy to overlook this, but this has probably through the centuries been the, the, the number one biggest answer that, that churches anyway, whole denominations, have, have said for hundreds of years was Jesus' message to the world, and that is heaven. Aim your life at heaven. Live to go to heaven. Live so that you'll be worthy of heaven. That Jesus' answer for a broken world is heaven. You know, none of these things in and of themselves are wrong. They all are part of the truth. But the reality is it's quite clear that Jesus' message to the world is the kingdom of God. By his own admission, Jesus himself said, I have come to preach the kingdom of God. The message that we must receive the kingdom of God, and we must enter the kingdom of God, and we must live in the kingdom of God is actually the message to the world that Jesus came to deliver. In fact, the phrase kingdom of God and kingdom of heaven, they're interchangeable, were used 85 times in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. 
The vast majority of those instances, it was the Lord himself using the phrase as he described his message and his mission to the world. So Jesus himself answered the question about what his message is. He left no ambiguity about it. Jesus Christ was absolutely clear with us what he came to say to us and what he came to give us, the kingdom of God. And yet of all these answers, being born again, loving one another, put God first, treat others as you would have them, treat yourself, forgiveness, heaven, all of these answers, as true as they are, and they all find their place in the kingdom of God, if you pick out one of them and follow it, just in and of itself, it is not going to bring you into the fullness of what Jesus came to give the world. Only when we focus on the kingdom of God, understand what it is, and hear what Jesus said about the kingdom and practice it, will we actually walk in the blessings and the fullness of what God sent Christ into the world to give us. Jesus, you may find this a little surprising to hear me say, but did you know that Jesus did not preach being born again? He never preached being born again. That was never his message. In fact, it was a Jewish leader who actually secretly did believe in him who came to see him one night named Nicodemus. And Nicky asked Jesus about the kingdom of God. In answering Nicky about the kingdom of God, Jesus said, Nick, you must be born again before you can even see, much less enter into the kingdom of God. So he never got Nicodemus past the door. He said, Nick, you need to be born again. And we've stopped there. We have literally taken the born again message and said, world, if you'll just be born again, everything else will take care of itself. If you're just born again, the Lord will take charge of your life, and, uh, you know, and, and, and as a Christian, what God wants you to do is go and tell everyone else they must be born again. Now, there's nothing wrong with that, telling people they must be born again. But why? Why must I be born again? Because Jesus Christ is a king. His domain is the entire sphere of God, the eternal God's activity, and that is the phrase that refers to the kingdom of God. And so Jesus' mission was to bring you into the activity of God. You were to enter the kingdom of God. Born again is just getting you in. It's just the door. It's just the connecting. Can you say amen? amen. So Jesus did not preach being born again. That was not his message to the world. Uh, Nicodemus said, what about the kingdom? Jesus said, you've got to be born again to see it and enter it. We have made, really, I think a terrible mistake by cutting short Jesus' message and telling the world that Jesus' message is just get through the door. That's really what we've said by preaching being born again. We've told sinners, you just need to get through the door. That's it, just need to be born again. That's like telling young people that, the wedding is the answer to a successful marriage. Now, I've performed a lot of weddings. And uh, 
I can tell you by experience that the wedding does not make a successful marriage. I've even preached or, or officiated some expensive New York weddings where the money they spent on the wedding could have purchased the couple a new house. So I've seen some really big weddings. And let me tell you, watching the people that I officiated their wedding ceremony over the years and what happened to their life, I can tell you right now that the wedding is not the life. The marriage is the life. So getting through the door by having the ceremony is not the answer. That's why Jesus did not make being born again the answer. Are you listening to me? The wedding is an event. It's a connecting. It's a beginning. It's not a life. Praise God. A marriage, marriage is a purpose in life. That's where the life is. Praise the Lord. Having a wedding just begins the purpose of two people dominating a life together. That's the vision. Two people. Kathy and I are dominating our life together, aren't we, hon? We are more than conquerors. Almost 50 years ago, 1972, we had a very humble on a shoestring wedding in an apartment in Largo, Florida. We did, couldn't even afford a church hall or somewhere. We got married in my mother's apartment. But nearly 50 years later, we can say we have been living a dominating life together. That's marriage. Hallelujah. And that's a purpose. That's a purpose. Not an event. It's a purpose. You see, the kingdom of God is a purpose. It's a purpose. It's not just an event. Born again, that's an event. But, but glory to God. Um, so just, just like a wedding begins dominating a life together, so likewise, being born again begins the purpose of you and Jesus overcoming the world together. But once you got born again, you still had to go out and overcome the world every day. In fact, you're still in the process of it. That's the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God is you pursuing the lordship of Jesus in every facet of your life. That is the kingdom of God. Praise the Lord. So Jesus' message to the world is not a religious escape from it, but it's a plan to retake it. Let me say that again. Jesus' message to the world is a plan to retake the world, not escape from it. Heaven is not our destination. The kingdom of God is our destination. And when you read the Bible, you find out we make a brief detour to heaven, but we settle the earth. Jesus retakes this world that, that today we sometimes wake up some mornings and wish that we could uh, escape it and go to heaven where there's some peace, where, where the suffering is no more. But one day it is going to be no more. And the kingdom of God is going to completely encircle the globe and all the nations will be submitted to the kingdom of God. Hallelujah. Isn't that, what an awesome thought. So God, God's message to the world was the kingdom of God is going to retake the earth. Hallelujah. Retake the world. Praise God. Jesus himself said that the kingdom of God is like yeast. And, and your life 
is the dough. Waiting for God's kingdom, the yeast, to be put into it and then expand into all of your activities, associations, and areas of influence. That is the message of Jesus to the world, is he wants to put his kingdom in you and then every area of your life. If you're a plumber, when you are, I put in a sink, a new sink in my house this week. What a job that was. Whew, mama. I don't even want to get into it. But man, when you are banging up your knuckles and, and struggling to do stuff, and Terry's over there chuckling, and you know somebody here knows what I'm talking about. You're trying to get a meal together. You've been working all day. Mama comes home, and she's like throwing together a meal for everyone. And uh, you really wish that you just could have stayed in bed this morning. That's our life, isn't it? And it's no wonder we, we, we and, and I don't want to make light of the really serious. Some people, you know, sometimes in life we face some really horrible things and, and really difficult things. But um, it's common to want to escape and go to heaven. Uh, you know, it's just, uh, it's something to look forward to. But what what a sad thing that we have robbed the world of the beautiful, wonderful, really uplifting and freeing message of the kingdom of God in our life now and its, its impact upon our life and through us on other people's lives by telling them the answer is heaven. The answer is just get through, hang out in church, it's a safe place and you can come in and just stay safe and don't let the devil mess with you too much but when it's all over, you're going to be in heaven, and it's going to be all, it's going to be good. I don't know about you, but from the, I, I was an atheist, so I had, uh, when I got saved, so I had no religious training. I had no idea what the Bible taught. I certainly had no idea what heaven was. So when I first got saved and I heard about heaven, and I learned about heaven, I, I felt guilty. I'm going to be honest with you. I felt guilty because I used to think, I don't want to go to I'm not looking forward to going to heaven. I, I, I like the earth. I, I'm me and the way I'm comprised. I'm built for the, for the earth. I enjoy it. I like the air. I like the water. I love the beach. I like the people. You know, I don't like the bad stuff, but, but you know, I, I feel at home here. And I thought about, what, what's heaven? I'm going to be, what am, am I going to float on a cloud? Am I... Uh, what's it going to be? Is it going to be abstract? What, my mind, I couldn't get my mind around it. And, and one day I came across Paul's comment in 1 Corinthians, eye has not seen nor ear heard, neither has it entered into the heart of man the things that God has prepared for those that love him. I said, okay. I'm satisfied that I, I can't imagine, I can't figure it out, but it's just going to be yummy. It's just going to be good. It's going to be wonderful. It's going to be beyond anything I can ever imagine. But when I try to use my imagination to think about it, I'm always thinking in terms of worldly things. Not worldly in the sinful sense, just earthly things. I think of mountains and streams and beaches. I, did you know that God made this earth? Have any of you forgotten he made this world? Do you remember what his intention was? His intention was for heaven one day to come down and to settle on earth, that earth is the capital of the universe, that we were not only made out of the earth, we were destined to reign and live on the earth. The Lord turned you into a child of God by putting his kingdom in you so that you could reign through your life. 
Even as Jesus suffered in his life, so we suffer in our lives. But even in our suffering, we should be walking with kingdom mentality, understanding that the kingdom of God is Jesus' answer to the world, the kingdom of God working in us. And right now, life is a battle and a struggle. One day the devil will be bound, and the Bible says he'll be removed forever. And with him, sin and all iniquity and corruption will be gone, and the world's going to be a wonderful place to inhabit. And I have no idea what the purposes of God are going to be like throughout eternity, but it's just nice to know that there's not going to be a lot of problems, you know, hindering us. I, I, I just... I love the idea of being able to walk into the bathroom and go, sink, be new. Or at least if I've got to use tools, they all work. And I don't cut up my hands up under there, um, banging them up, my knuckles up on the, you know, I, I don't mind working. It'd just be great if it was all blessed. That's right. As long as it's easy. Just as long as it's easy. I love going fishing with Pastor Terry. I really enjoy it. But it's even better when we catch fish. <laughs> going fishing is awesome. But catching fish is even more awesome. Praise the Lord. I'm sure Antonio will tell you he enjoys on Fridays going out hunting alligators. But it's even better to shoot one. <laughs> Shooting an out. Listen, those of you watching on Facebook or whatever, you might be thinking, what the heck? Where the, where's this church at? Oh, Florida. <laughs> yes, we are from Florida. And we love to shoot alligators. It's something, we, I like eating alligator myself. It's wonderful. It's, a, it's like shrimp met chicken. Just use a little spicy sauce and mmm. So, Antonio, have you shot a gator yet? Did you get one this year yet? Woo! Got him a gator Thursday night. Hallelujah. How big was he? Oh, you should feel, you should be ashamed of yourself. You shot a baby. Yeah, tender, tender. All right, so back to the message. So look, life has its challenges, right? It's, it's got its difficulties. I'm trying to get you to realize that, uh, that God, I, I know preachers always say we should be heavenly minded. We should be heavenly minded. We should be thinking about heaven. And I'm not sure I really believe that. Um, I think what they really probably intend to say is we should be thinking about the Lord and, and be, have Jesus on. But when I think about Jesus, when I pray to Jesus, I know he's sitting in eternity, he's sitting in the heavenlies on his throne, but I don't see him sitting on a giant golden throne. When I pray, I see Jesus on the earth. I see, I see Jesus res, resurrected and risen, but I see him like he was those days after his resurrection, walked into the room where his disciples were, and you could see the nail prints in his hands, but he was very much alive. Hallelujah. That's how, I, that's how I see Jesus. I see him in the context of the world. What I'm trying to tell you is that Jesus' answer for the world is the kingdom of God here in this world. Can you say amen? amen? So the kingdom of God is a domain for you to preside over. There's nothing outside of you 
That's as strong as what's inside of you. Let me say it again. There's nothing out there that's as strong as what's in here. First John 4, 4 says, Greater is he that is in here than whatever's going on out there. But I know that sometimes our physical senses are overwhelmed by what is going on out there, and it feels like it's stronger. It feels like it's greater. But I'm here today to tell you that Jesus' answer was the kingdom of God. There's nothing stronger than the kingdom of God. And God's kingdom has been put within us. Can you say amen? amen. Every day of your life, every day of your life is measured in acts of authority. I want you to think about that. Think about how you prepare for your day when you get up in the morning. Think about what you do as you go about your day. Think about the relationships that you have. I heard somebody during our time of giving thanks this morning, thanking God for how, how the Lord had worked in their family and had broken generational curses and had opened the door for there to be reconciliation. That You, you can't put a price tag on that. We're talking about our lives. When we talk about our family, when we talk about the people we interact with. God has made us to be social people in this world. And that's everything to us. And to see God moving by breaking up those shackles and yokes and chains of bondage that Satan has, has put upon people to make life miserable, to torment us, to see the Lord break those things up and bring the power of his kingdom into that situation, that's the kingdom of God. Hallelujah. And so every day, whatever you do is measured in an act of authority. Everything you do is an act of authority. Putting on your socks, act of authority. Every step of your life is either a forward advance in the kingdom of God or a setback into the kingdom of darkness. Think about it. Every step I take is either an advance in the kingdom of God or a setback in the kingdom of darkness. Our lives are not measured in terms of uh, moral perfection or immorality and sin. Our lives are not being marked and measured every day in increments of morality, but in increments of authority. How much authority of the kingdom of God are we using in our life? And where is that authority working? Now, I know what I'm saying is challenging, but I want you to really reach out and grab hold of this and think about it. Think about your life every single day and every act that you perform as an action of authority, the use of the authority of God. You, will me you measure your life in measures of authority, and it will change the way you live it. It'll change the way you think about your life. It'll change the way you pray. It'll change the way you talk to people and, and the way you, you conduct yourself around people. You see, Romans 5.17 says, in a very short phrase, exactly what I'm saying to you right now. It says, we reign in life by Jesus Christ. We reign in life by Jesus Christ. When the trembles labor over their family, training their kids in the Word of God, working out their family problems on the anvil of the authority of God's Word, they are reigning in life. 
even when they are facing the worst problems or challenges. They are reigning in life. They are literally advancing the kingdom of God right in their home, right in their household. And so are all the rest of you. We're not reigning in life because we're problem-free. We're reigning in life because we are applying. We are applying our faith in the authority of his kingdom. We are acting in his stead, in his authority. When you as a Christian pray, when you take dominion over the enemy, when you face difficulties and problems God's way, you are using Jesus' king, kingdom authority to solve problems. Amen. Jesus' answer for the world was to use his kingdom authority to solve problems, and you have to be in the kingdom to do that. You have to enter the kingdom. You have to see the kingdom. You have to think about the kingdom of God. Can you say amen? amen. Hallelujah. Isaiah the prophet put it like this. In Isaiah chapter 58, he said, You, everyone put your hand on your chest, say me. me. You shall be called the repairer of the breach, the restorer of streets to dwell in. Now listen to me, that is right there, that's Jesus' answer for the world. Jesus' answer to the world is to get his kingdom into men and women. And then as they walk and live their life in the kingdom of God, they are repairing streets for other people to live in. They are making a way for other people to come to know Jesus and enter into the kingdom and their brokenness to be healed. You shall be called. You see, the world might call you a Methodist or a Christian or a Pentecostal or a Catholic or whatever or a Jesus nut. But heaven says you're a repairer of the breach. Jesus' answer for the repairing of the breach is you walking in the kingdom of God. You are a restorer of the streets to dwell in. We think our job as Christians is to pray and God does all the work. And I'm not saying that's not true. I'm not saying that we don't pray and God works. But we work. God works through us. We work with his authority. I'm trying to encourage and lift up in you the concept that the, that the work of your life, that you, when you live it, the work of your life is the activity of the kingdom of God when you conscientiously live it and act in faith for God to move through. You see, the Bible says, without faith, it shuts down the move of God. And I'm saying these things because I'm trying to get you to open up your heart and mind so that you will live your life in faith. If I can break that terrible mold of religious thinking, where we think in very narrow religious terms that if I come to church and do this, that's, that's exercising faith. But when I get up on Monday morning and I face my problems or I get upset or I'm struggling, that, that obviously has nothing to do with faith. That's the world. That's me in the world. And we, we regret so much of our life. Don't regret your life. Don't regret the things that you go through in life. Redeem them. Jesus is a redeemer. If you didn't have regrets, you wouldn't have redemption. If you didn't have Goliaths, where would, where would we need a David? David was nothing without Goliath. 
Is that not right? So Jesus' answer for the world is you operating in the kingdom of God. You know, those who receive Jesus' message for the world, they see their entire life as the territory of the kingdom of God. Do you see your life as the territory of the kingdom of God? If someone were to say to you, where is the kingdom of God? Would you be able to say, not just in me, but my life is the kingdom of God? You mean my garage that I, that I can't seem to get control over? Or my eating habits that I'm struggling with? and try, that, that is part. Or, or this illness, you know, that I am standing and believing God for? You betcha. You betcha. Every bit of your life, God's interested in it. God cares about it. Because every single act of your life is waiting for an act of authority. Is waiting for the manifestation of the kingdom of God. Don't give up. Don't discount. Don't cross out the areas of your life. Bring them under God's authority. Let the kingdom of God reign through your life. Let me give you another verse, too, real quick, and then we'll close. Revelation chapter 5 and verse 10 says, And you have made them a kingdom, a royal race, and priests to our God, and they shall reign as kings over the earth. Who are we talking about? Us. They shall reign as kings over the earth. Did you know that the kingdom of God is the only kingdom, is the only kingdom where every citizen is a king? Let me say it again. The kingdom of God is the only kingdom where every citizen is a king. Why did Jesus, why was Jesus called king of What's, what's he king over? He's king over kings. You see, Jesus didn't bring us into his kingdom to, uh, just to make workers out of us or serfs. His whole plan, when he, when he built Adam and created him and breathed his spirit, why did God breathe the spirit of God into Adam? Because Adam was a king. The spirit of the king was breathed into Adam. Sin entered in, mankind fell, but when Jesus came back in the world to bring his kingdom, what, what did he do? It says in John chapter 20, Jesus rose from the dead, enters the room, the disciples are all standing there, and Jesus walks in and says, Peace be to you. As the Father has sent me, so I send you. And then he breathed on them and said, Receive the Holy Spirit. I breathe the spirit of the king into you. I breathe the kingdom into you. I want you to go through life and see your life as me living through you. You have my spirit. You have my power. You have my mission. As the Father sent me, so I am sending you. Do you know that we could see how the Father sent Jesus because he was bold? He said, my father's with me. Rise up and walk. My father is with me and declare the word of God. My father is with me, binding devils and casting them out. The Bible says wherever Jesus went, he preached the kingdom of God and kicked devils out. Why did Jesus push devils out of the way everywhere he went? Because his kingdom was advancing. 
The kingdom of darkness cannot exist where the kingdom of light is being imposed. You are called to impose the kingdom of God over the kingdom of darkness. That's why you have the Holy Spirit. Hallelujah. It's so that you can reign in life as the King Jesus. Hallelujah. To have his mind, to have his mentality, you have his authority. We say these things, we write songs about them, we sing about them, but I honestly think that, quite frankly, a lot of times we never let ourselves actually come to the point where we believe it. Wow, I'm supposed to live as a king? I think the reason is, is we see earthly kings as pompous and sitting on golden thrones and having people bow before them. But our king, when he came, did he do that? Did, did the king of kings do that? What did he do? He took up a towel. He washed their feet. He served them. What did he do? He laid his life down. But boy, he tore the devil up everywhere he went. He did not let... And when, when liars surrounded him and speaking, in, he didn't get into fights with them. He didn't, he didn't come to blows with them. He didn't call them names. He simply spoke the truth. He simply said, render unto Caesar what is Caesar's, and unto God what is God. And they, what he said, the truth he spoke, blew them out of the water. They would just, their hands would drop, their head would go down, they'd shuffle back off. Back to have another committee meeting to see if they can come up with some other stuff they could trap Jesus in. He walked in the kingdom, and then he has handed that kingdom to you and I. He's transferred his spirit, his power, his mission to you, making your life a living continuation of the kingdom of God. You walking in the kingdom of God, and with this thought, I want to close. You walking in the kingdom of God is Jesus' message to the world. That's Jesus speaking to the world, you walking in the kingdom of God. Close your Bible and stand with me this morning.